I will be seated today, not because I'm tired, nor lazy, nor particularly old. (laughs) But um, I've been told I'm kinder when I preach seated. (laughs) And so because of this passage, I will be seated today. So I will be kinder to you, theoretically. (laughs) I am fascinated in listening to people around the world as they talk about things they love. And it's quite a range, a wide range, of things that we assign love to. Just this week I heard, I love my beer and barbecue. I I don't have a good Aussie accent. I can't even fake it. So just put up with me. I love my dog. Uh, Diana said to me, I love meat pies. And I said, you you sound like T-Mod. He used to tell me that every time I saw him. I'm sure he has his fill these days. I love my beef, or for some of you, your sushi. I love my mom and my family, and I love God. Now, hopefully, somewhere between dog and mom and God, there is some differential of what kind of love and how much love you have, hopefully. In this series we're doing called Portraits of Faith, Today is about a woman who finally got this sense of what it's like to love God with all her heart. We've just read this text. And so I want to do a narrative overview of this, if we can. This is a unique passage. Here we have a group of men, mates, being together. And in the midst of this, uninvited, comes a woman. Doesn't she know she's not supposed to be there? Not only does she come, she interrupts, and she brings perfume. Now, men, most of the time when women come into one of our gatherings, they assume they should bring perfume because of what they smell when we're together. She anticipated this and had perfume with her. During the dinner, she begins to weep. Now, just picture this. This is an awkward situation. She comes uninvited. She shows up. She has perfume. And then at the dinner that she's not invited to, she starts weeping. Now, that's just not fair. Men don't know what to do when a woman starts weeping. And there she does it, right right there. And we didn't even invite her. And there she is. And then it just gets weird after that. Because not only is she weeping, but she takes her tears and she puts them on the feet of Jesus takes her long hair and starts wiping his feet with her hair. Uh, This is a little awkward. And as as if that's not bad enough, then she starts kissing his feet. How long has it been since this has happened to you? Yeah, we read these in the Bible and we make it very spiritual. No, this is just strange. This is very strange. And then she brings out the perfume. As if it's not awkward enough, this unusual scent fills the room. I think it's fair to say this is an awkward situation. Because as Simon said earlier, if Jesus were an actual prophet, wouldn't he even know what she's like? Come on, she's one of those. You you know the kind. We, We assign value to people all the time. Like they don't belong here, 
or why are you here? Well, she was one of those. She clearly didn't belong there. First of all, it was, it was a group of mates together. And then not only does she come, but she's one of those kind of people. It was an awkward situation. And so Simon says to himself, if Jesus were really a prophet, he would know this about her. Come on, we know this about her. Everybody knows this about her. But this is a classic Jesus story. Classic for a couple of reasons. First of all, he challenges the accepted thought processes of people who had judgments on other people. It's also a fun story because Luke tells this story. Now, I don't know if you're aware of this. Luke is the one who tells all the women's stories. Apparently, Luke loves women in an appropriate way. Remember, Mark is the one who tells all the young men's stories, all the big miracle stories. That's Mark. Luke, Luke tells all the women's stories. So he tells one of these about Jesus. But it's also a classic Jesus story. Because in the midst of this, where there should be a challenge or Jesus needs to answer something, instead he says, ah, let me tell you another story. And he tells a story and gives the summary statement of this entire passage. And the question is this, which one loves more? Which one loves more? Because we're going to see throughout this story that what it really comes down to is what is it really like when the love of God just permeates your soul? Let's pick up the storyline again where it just left off in verse 44. Then he turned towards the woman and he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? Well, of course Simon had seen the woman. He said, Simon, I came into your house. You didn't give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss. Middle Eastern men then and now, when they greet, they kiss, typically on both cheeks. I've been a little surprised. I haven't gotten a few more from the men since I've been here. He said, you didn't even give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. He said, you didn't put any oil on my head to refresh me, but she's poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little, loves little. Just a couple of commentary words here. We've often focused on how much sins have been forgiven. But I want you to notice what he also says. Because, see, she loved much. And it's not sometimes we love little because we have been forgiven little. Sometimes we have just forgotten. And our love goes down a bit because we've forgotten what we've actually been forgiven of. So I want to take us back to just experience Forgiveness again. When we talk about forgiveness, we're going to deal more with this in one of the passages that comes later in the series of Portraits of Faith. But when we're going to talk about forgiveness, we've got to talk about a state of being that you live, you breathe, you go day by day and week by week in the state of being forgiven. It's an amazing place to be because the self-talk is so different that runs in your head when you walk in forgiveness than when you don't. 
Many of you know that. What you say to yourself about yourself is so different when you are walking in that kind of forgiveness. But not only that, do you feel it. The sense of being is one thing, but the being able to feel it is yet another. It's amazing to me, various corners of our world, in churches much like this one, on Sundays like this, we have tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, even millions of people who are cognitively aware of their own forgiveness, but they don't feel forgiven. They walk around with this sense of, I don't quite measure up. And that is in no way, no way, what God has for you. So it's time for us to accept what's been given to us. Embrace it. Experience it. Acknowledge it. And remember. Because when you talk about forgiveness around the world, there's two words that people use over and over and over again. They talk about just being free. And when they talk about being free, they don't just say it in a hushed tone. I mean, when you're free, your head goes up, your arms go out, because you're free. And you also have this sense of fullness, like an incredibly great meal when you can't handle any more. That sense of just being full. That's what forgiveness is like. So let's honestly acknowledge what either we were or what we are like, so that that forgiveness can really flow. When I'm not someplace like this, nor lecturing at uni in New York, I run a small nonprofit organization called Global Leadership, where we find talented young leaders who are emerging. We put them into networks for mentoring purposes and then take them up a level and then the next and then the next. But one of the things we do with them is we run them through a battery of assessments. One of the ones that we use in cultures where it's appropriate to do so is called the 16PF, 16 Personality Factors. And it is just that. It's a clinical personality profile. You can't fake this thing. It's not what you like about you or dislike about you. It's just what you're like. The weakness of it is it's only personality. So it doesn't give you any credit for how much nicer you have become. doesn't give you any credit for the amount of grace that has, from God that's changed you. Because as the experts tell us, and we know well, personality is formed by about age seven, which is why what we do with our children is so significant. It's our hardwiring, much like a computer. Our brains are hardwired with our personality by about age seven. So this thing documents what you are really like. I remember the first time I took mine, I read it. There were three paragraphs that made me look like not a very good person at all. Matter of fact, quite dreadful. And for three days, I was moderately depressed. I am never depressed. This thing depressed me. It was about me. (laughs) I thought, am I really this bad? So I couldn't wait to get home. I showed it to Diana. And I said, what do you think? She said nothing. She can be a cold woman. She said nothing. And I said, come on, am I really that bad? And she said nothing. And then she said something very profound. She said, when I read this, I remember what you used to be like. And apart from Christ, this is exactly what you're like. And then she said, If you ever don't walk with Christ, this is what you'll be like again. 
And I never want to go back there. I want to experience this kind of forgiveness so that I walk in it. It's a state of being for me. In the self-talk, the things I say to myself about myself are not those things of what I was and can revert to. No, it's about being free and full. Let's go to the Simon narrative. We looked at the woman's narrative earlier. Let's go to Simon's narrative. You see, Simon was one of those guys who took his own stuff for granted. It's a pattern that happens to people, women and men, young and old, in various corners of our world. We make assumptions that what we're like must sort of be what God's like, and we baptize it, our opinions. And we assume that's what God's like. In the 20 or more years of doing church consulting, I've had to say so many times, I want to make this very clear. I want to make it so clear you can't miss it. In the kingdom of God, you matter. But I also have to tell you, in the kingdom of God, your opinion doesn't matter at all. And that's the kindest thing I can tell you. Because we begin to assume that what I think is right is what's right. And that what I think is the way it is must be the way God thinks it is. We make those assumptions. Simon did that. And he developed what's been called a religious spirit, where he just made an assumption. I'm, I'm right. And he forgot about the grace of God, that it's for others too. This one intrigues me so much about human nature. We, we absolutely love it. Let's just be really honest. We love it when we get from God that extra grace that we don't deserve. When we don't have to pay for our junk. When the things we deserve, He takes away the penalty and the pain of that. We love that. But it's also pretty easy that when somebody else gets that extra grace, we resent it. They don't deserve it. She's one of those. Remember? Come on, she doesn't deserve it. We know what she's like. She's one of those. And the nicest among us has a tendency at times to assume those people don't deserve it, whoever those people happen to be. And we forget that it really is simply, very simply, about love and about loving God. So let's talk about it. It's really just about loving Him, isn't it? Old Testament was so clear in the beginnings of the law. God made it so clear that no one could miss it. Greatest commandment. You love the Lord your God with all your heart. Soul, mind, strength. You've got it covered. Jesus came along and he said it's the greatest commandment ever. It's simply about loving God. Don't assume it today, but embrace it. I was speaking at a conference a few years ago. It was a unique sort of place. They, they had a, a gathering conference center that would hold, I think it was about 1,800. It was full all the time. But they had three levels of places where you could stay, all the way from very, very basic to a very nice conference center hotel. There was one chap that I knew who decided he didn't want to stay in any of those. He rented a place just off-site because he wanted to have his own place and a place where he could have a fire pit in the back because late nights... He wanted to have a fire pit 
with his mates. So one night he invited me to come. I thought, I'll come. I said, I can't get there till 11, 11.30. So I got there. They were still going strong. There were a dozen or so men sitting around the circle. I only knew one. And they were chatting a bit. And he interrupted everyone and he said, guys, we can have this conversation later. It's not very often that guys like us get to have a conversation with someone like Martin. I'm always going, what? what's that mean? Someone like me. And he said, Martin, here's what we want. We want you to give us the secret of going to the next level. And I'm going, there's a secret? Like no one told me. There's, but there must be a secret. I've got to come up with one. What's, what's the secret of going to the next level? And so I said, here's the secret, guys. We're going to do one thing for the rest of the evening. We're going to go around the circle. And there's just simply one question. Do you love God with all your heart? No conversations. It's a simple yes, I do, or no, I don't. You start. Mate, do you love God with all your heart? Yes or no? No. 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 The next guy started talking. I said, no talking, talking boy. It's a simple yes or it's a no. What is it? No. Yes. No. 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 There was one yes. I stood up and I said, no sense in wasting a secret on you guys. I'll be back tomorrow night, 11 o'clock. In the next 24 hours, you fast, you pray, you get on your faces, you do whatever it takes to make sure tomorrow night at 11 you can confidently say, yes, I am one of those who loves God with all my heart. I said, it's no secret. It's that simple. I, I left. Well, there's a guy who followed me out, a guy I'd never met before. came up beside me, put his arm around my shoulder, and he goes, Martin, I don't, I don't know if you know any of those guys back there. And I said, I don't. He said, you're probably not aware of this, but everyone around the circle's a multimillionaire. He said, they... They could have funded your ministry really well. <laughs> and I stopped and I looked at him and I said, Do I look to you like the kind of guy who would sell his soul for a couple million? And I punched him right in the chest. That's why I'm seated right now. <laughs> Just so you know, I don't do that when I'm in Australia. I do it in America. And sometimes in Canada, Canadians need it. <laughs> well, the next night I showed up at 11. At 11 o'clock and 11 of the 12 men were there. Because I'd said to the one of the guys, the guy punched in the chest, you can't come tomorrow night. You need two days to fast and pray. I'll see you the night after. I can't tell you how amazing that conversation was. Because instead of trying to find some sort of secret code, they discover that it's simply about, man, loving God with all your heart. And whether you're just recovering from a drug addiction or whether you're a multimillionaire, there's nothing like it. It's the best the human experience gets. So it's simply about love. Sense it. Feel it, experience it, know it, and then enjoy it. It's this thing of being free 
and being full. Now, you notice there was a warning with Simon about this religious spirit. So we're gonna, I want to focus on religious spirit for a moment. Because the religious spirit seeks to substitute religious activity for the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Now, what I want to do in the next about seven minutes is take a one-hour seminar that I do and give it to you in seven minutes. So hang on, I'm going to talk really fast, see if you can keep up with me. I just want to run through a bit of this material, not all of it, but a bit of it, with no commentary, just getting you to see the marked contrast between the woman who was so free in her love for God and the religious spirit that plagued Simon. I want to give you eight characteristics of people oppressed by a religious spirit. The first one is an overemphasis on outward form. It's as if if you say the right words, do the right things, and have the right look, somehow you've mastered this. No. Second characteristic, a sense of condemnation and fear. It's this awful dread that you won't ever get it right because somehow the benchmark is set so high you can't quite get it and someone like you will never get it. At least that's what you say to yourself about yourself. Unless you think I'm making this up about somebody else, after the service last night, seven people used this exact phrase in a conversation with me. It gets ingrained in us. Third characteristic, an alternating attitude of pride and shame. It's the Messiah complex. I finally have gotten it right. And then it turns against you and becomes the Judas complex. Now stop for just a moment. Right now, if you are thinking about anybody else other than yourself, you're in trouble. You're worse than you know. Don't think about anybody else as we go through these. This is simply you before your God. Number four. The fourth characteristic, an oppressive legalism. No flexibility. Method instead of relationship. If I just do it right. Number five, a fear of change. It creeps in. We like things the way they are. At least we think we're beginning to get it figured out. The opposition to God's new changes always come from an unanointed leader, from an old wineskin pattern, Peter Wagner says. Number six, a need to figure God out. I love this one, especially when young men just come to me and go, I think I've figured God out. Oh, you're in trouble. <laughs> the goal is to understand God because then we can control Him, you see. And in the process, we lose the mystery of faith. And there's no portrait of faith. It's a set, boundaried rule pattern. Number seven, dependence upon self-effort. I love this quote. True holiness is the recognition of our inability to get our act together. Then in our brokenness, we come to Jesus to receive His ability for our inability. And the last one, an undue emphasis on tradition. Because things that have been great, our past altars can become our present idols. So there's the eight.
Let me give you then, very quickly, 12 early warning signs of a religious spirit beginning to creep in. First is your primary mission is to tear down whatever you believe to be wrong. If you don't like it, it can't be right. Number two, you're unable to receive a rebuke, especially from those less spiritual than you. And come on, most everyone's less spiritual than you, right? Number three, you're inclined to see more of what is wrong with other people and other churches than what's right with them. Ooh, that one stings sometimes. Number four, you're subject to overwhelming feelings of guilt when you can never measure up to what you think is the Lord's standards. Number five, you keep score in your own spiritual life and your own spiritual disciplines. You've got your own scorecard. And you check off the boxes. Number six is a follow-up. You take pride in your spiritual maturity and discipline, especially, especially as compared to others. Because it's all a competition, right? No. Number seven, have a mechanical prayer life. You know what that means. Number eight, you do things in order to be noticed by people. Are they looking? Do I look good? Go with this side. This side's better. Come on. Number nine. You're overly repulsed by emotionalism in others, especially with whom you don't agree. Number ten. You're encouraged when your life or your ministry looks better than others because it's about image, isn't it? Number eleven. You're suspicious of or oppose outright new movements, new churches, and other things that God is bringing to life. You just want to sit and watch and make sure it's okay. But it probably isn't. And number 12. You tend to reject spiritual manifestations you don't understand or don't have yourself. And you reject those. As we've gone through these, if you see yourself in any of them, Embrace that and take these deep because these will keep you from this love thing that this woman had experienced. If you don't see yourself in any of these, be grateful. Or you may want to take it a step further and get two or three friends together. Ask them to read these and say, you see any of these in me? Be prepared for some laughter because you're going to go, seriously? Like you don't see it in yourself? Hello? And just to clarify, a religious spirit is not exclusive to being a Christian. Notice Simon was not. It comes in all forms of religion, and even those who have no form of religion, it is a critical, judgmental spirit that you have on other people, and then it comes back on you as well. What we have here is a contrast sermon between the woman who had this freedom to express this amazing love for God and Simon, who had a religious spirit, who thought he was right. Because, come on, she was one of those, remember? She was one of those. So I want you to capture, as we wrap this up, capture the power of a changed life. You press past normative cultural boundaries 
let's, let's, let's just be honest. Western Australia is not known to be amazingly, wildly expressive people unless your particular footy team is winning. And then it's allowed. And then it's allowed. We press past normative human boundaries. She did. And we don't make excuses. I, I'm, I'm not like that. We, we don't do that. Our kinds of people especially don't. But you love authentically and express it with abandon. So if you have been forgiven, fill in the dots. If you've been forgiven, what's that like? If you love authentically as she modeled for us, what's that like for you? Journal this. Think about it. Pray it through. And then enjoy it. Express it. Show it. With unguarded abandon, do it. Listen to these last couple verses. Verses 48 and 50. Jesus said to her, picture it. He looked her in the eyes. The kind of person she was. Good people didn't look her in the eyes. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And the reason why we call this series Portraits of Faith is in verse 50. He said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Now go in peace. I had just finished a leadership development conference in Asia. I think I had done seven hours of talking that day. I don't mind doing that. What's hard for me is the part afterwards when people want to come up and talk. You have to switch gears and all of a sudden be very listening and caring. And you're going, I'm tired and I want a pizza. I'm sorry. Um, it's, it's why I'm seated. Um, I can't stand and talk to people. I have to sit. And as I was listening to people and trying to get it wrapped up, I noticed there was a young woman over here who kept making eye contact at me and smiling. And she was standing there for a long time. I'm thinking, oh, no, she's going to wait till everybody else is done. And then she gets her time. And she kept looking at me like I was supposed to know who she was, thinking I, I don't have any idea. And fortunately, I'm so grateful to God. Just as I was wrapping up my last conversation, I remembered. She was a, a young woman who'd been in uni when I went to the first church where I'd served. And I'd seen her a few times, met her, met her and her new husband before. They went to be missionaries. And she came up to me and said, Mark, it's great to see you. It's been forever. And she said, I, I know you're tired. I just have one question. She said, can you recommend a book or a seminar that will take me to the next level? Is there a secret too? And I said, let me ask one question before we begin. Do you love God with all your heart? And she said, maybe you didn't understand my question. I need a, a book or a seminar that will help me to the, to the next level. I'm, I'm a little stale and I, just, I need something. I said, okay, let me ask you a different question. Do you love God with all your heart? And she said, do, do you not remember that my husband and I have been missionaries in Japan? It's a tough place. We, we've served there for more than 15 years. I said, okay, but let, me, let me do it differently. Do you love God with all your heart? She said, why are you doing this to me? And she started crying. And I said, it's the right question, isn't it? 
You see, even in what you said, we've been serving God in a hard place for 15 years. You've been doing it for Him. And He just wants you. Just wants you and wants the love that's in your heart. That's all He wants. No seminar, no book for you. Let me pray with you, though, because it's what you want. Father, you have made it so clear that if we'll draw near to you, you'll draw near to us. And in this room today, we've got some who are just about ready to make that move towards you. Draw them in. We've got some others who've been at this journey a very short time. But already the religious spirit is starting to creep in. Cut it off today and take them back to just the simplicity of loving you with all their heart. That's what it's about. And we have people in the room that have been doing this faith journey for more than 50 years. Lord, today, can there be an awakening deep in their soul where they just go, I love him. I love him with all my heart. I don't have any perfume today, but I sure love him with my heart. It's what it's about. As we wrap up this service, connect with us deeply, please. It's what we want. Amen. We've adjusted the service just a bit today. You may have noticed the first worship set was a bit shorter. Because we wanted to leave some time at the end for a bit of a longer worship set. This is a time just for you. To connect with God. We've got some songs. We're going to give you time and space. Don't have to rush. To just connect or reconnect your own heart with the heart of the Father. It's what He wants and so do you. So take time. Sit, stand. If you prefer, stand on your chair and put your arms out wide. We'll probably only have a few of you do that. Come and stand across the front. There's room. Lie on the floor if that's useful for you. However, you're going to connect best with God today. The woman modeled it for us well. Do it with abandoned love for God. Let's sing.